0: Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning,
1: brothers and sisters
0: in Christ. Thank you for those
1: of you who have been reaching out via email and uh, some people leaving voicemails. And again, I'll try to get back to you uh, uh, when I can, but man, sometimes uh, you just it's hard to return a lot of messages. So I hope you understand. I think you do. But we appreciate you guys so very much. Um, We're going to talk about a very important issue today, actually issues. We're going to look... In the news, and look at some headlines. And uh, what do we think as Christians? How do we respond to what's going on right in our own backyard? We're not even talking about the world over in the Middle East and Israel, and from a prophetic standpoint, what's happening there, um, what's going on in North America, uh, what's going on with COVID and the threats against religious freedoms. We're talking about What is knocking on the church door? I shouldn't say that because I think of Revelation 3.20. And yes, sadly, in a lot of American churches, Jesus is standing outside of the door knocking, saying, let me in. Um, And boy, I tell you, we still have an opportunity because he hasn't returned yet. So we still have an opportunity to let Jesus into our churches. Now, that may sound really strange to you, but... If you think about the programs and all the liberal influences and ungodly influences and the false teachings that so many in the body of Christ today are concerned about or confused about, I should say, you go, okay, well, I can understand how Jesus is on the outside looking in. So we're going to talk about that, among other things, with our pastor today, Pastor Kevin Minsky, Christ the Rock De CTRD. Uh, <laughs> a community Church in Wisconsin. It's a non-denominational church in De Pere, right near Green Bay. Um, Kevin is one who believes in verse-by-verse teachings through the Bible and also stresses the importance of addressing cultural and political issues, the whole counsel of God, and how to apply that as Christians in the communities and the culture in which we live. Pastor Kevin, welcome back to the studio and stand up for the truth. Thank you for the time, David. I get a little bit closer to the microphone. Um, we will uh, uh, talk about some of these things that I set up in the introduction. Uh, but let's get the low-hanging fruit out of the way before mm-hmm. we talk about what you've been doing at your church, at our church, because we now attend there, um, my wife and I, and we're so blessed. And by the way, yesterday, so many people came up to us. Some, uh, one person handed me an envelope with you know, a donation to Stand Up for the Truth. I'm going, wow, what a blessing. There's a lot of people that are just you know, in line with what we are going to discuss today. And that popularity doesn't mean anything. We're not impressed right. by people's approval, but it's nice to know that people are willing to lock arms and say, this is a fight that we are in with you. So they support us financially. They keep us in prayer, meaning stand up for the truth. Q90 FM, Christ the Rock, De here. Um, and it's, it's good to know we, that we have so many people that are willing to fight because we know there are too many Christians in America that are not willing to fight and engage for whatever reason. So the low-hanging fruit, before we get to church, I saw several headlines over the weekend, and I just could not ignore and just go by this and say, you know, I don't want to talk about that again. But Pelosi and the Pope, um, we know um, as as far as, fruit and Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. So Pelosi professes to be Catholic. I don't know if devout is even a word we can throw in there, but she professes to be Catholic. Most some of us were raised Catholic. We know some of what the church teaches. We know some of their doctrines, especially some of the main ones, meaning about life in the womb. What do, what does Catholicism teach? What does the Catechism teach? What does the Bible teach? That's what we go to. Mm-hmm. And we know it is very pro-life. Yes. <laughs> so, first of all, I know she's had issues with a bishop, or I think, out in San Francisco or other Catholics who say she shouldn't be allowed communion and whatever else because she's pro-choice and She's also stood up for the LGBTQ community and transgenderism. So she's not exactly a pro-family, pro-marriage between one man and one woman um, uh, politician. And also, she's, uh, it seems like she's very against America's system of capitalism and so many other things. Um, and it just doesn't seem to be Christian. But let's look at the the current story, and let I'll let you... Share your thoughts on this, Pastor Kevin. She's standing with with the Pope. A lot of very smiley, mm. uh, friendly pictures. See she's there at the Vatican. Um, so the Pope has a. We know we have issues with his beliefs, whether that be environmentalism or the other issues, the Great Reset, and other things. But here she, here he is with an openly pro-abortion. In fact, I've got another article here. Um, House Democrats unite to pass barbaric abortion bill. Um, and that's Pelosi, on the speaker, of course, in charge of that. So we know her stance. We, she's not keeping it a secret, but yet it seems from my understanding, let's just talk about the Catholic teachings, and we can go to the Bible, of course. It seems like she's going against so many of the basic biblical teachings, but the Catholic Church even teaches about uh, the protection of life in the womb, but yet the Pope doesn't seem to care Now, I would consider that unequally yoked, but I don't know if even that's a good application when you're talking about the Pope and who he is and what he believes and uh, Nancy Pelosi. And we pray for them to be saved. Uh, I know that might sound strange to some of you. Um, Kevin, I would just love to hear your thoughts. Well, I have a lot of thoughts about that,
2: the, <laughs> the, um I guess the first thing would be so much for separation of church and state, right? So we, now look, we <laughs> understand that that's a, that's a false concept anyway, separation of church and state, and that gets, mis- that gets abused, but it's interesting, when I need a photo op with the Pope, it's okay to do that, and I can appeal to a billion people worldwide who espouse to the teachings of the Catholic Church. Look, ultimately, our adversary is the devil, it's Satan. Mm. Satan's a murderer from the beginning. Amen. Abortion is murder. It's taking a human life in the womb. It doesn't matter what that particular color is, what race, whatever. That is murder. So we know where this construct is coming from. It's coming from Satan. He's going to use politics. He's going to use religion. He's going to use whatever he can. We know what the, the end-time religion is, and it's going to be a one-world ecumenical movement. He's got to align all these different groups mm. into one. Well, that's just another step in that process. It happens incrementally. We see it being lived out in our time. So we we always have to filter everything through the the Bible and looking at God's character and nature. We know God is an author of life. This is about murder, you know, abortion. So obviously we have to reject it. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It doesn't matter what the standing of the religious person is who's telling you it's okay. I don't care if it's a pope, a pastor, or a guy on a street corner carrying a cross. If he tells you that abortion is okay, it doesn't line up with Scripture. Nope. And you have to reject it.
1: And yet... I, I am now pointing to idolatry of many professing believers, whether they're a Christian or not, God knows their hearts, who support not only abortion, but every platform of the Democrat Party because they vote for, for Democrats every election. I believe that's wrong. Um, I look at the Bible and, and I, can't, I can't come to terms with how you can know scriptures and what they teach and support some of the things that the, the left, the Democrats are putting out, including a Nancy Pelosi. So when I said low-hanging fruit, I mean, it's easy to pick on Pelosi and the Pope. I mean, it even sounds funny. Pelosi and the Pope. Um, and I don't want to uh, be overly critical here, but I want us to be able to critically think,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how do we respond to our Christian brothers and sisters who say they are, born-again believers in Christ. They believe the Bible, and yet they support abortion. Even if they claim to be pro-life, they're voting Democrat. What I say that is, is idolatry, meaning you're putting something, in this case a political party, a D, in front of your Christian faith and the Bible. That's idolatry. Now, we can point to the sin itself of murder and sacrificing our children on the altar of Molech. We can talk about all that, and that's bad enough, but everything else that they're talking about and supporting, endorsing with their vote. So is there a disconnect, Pastor Kevin? And I wasn't even planning on going here this morning at the beginning of the podcast. But is there a disconnect with people when it comes to voting? Because they they separate that. Like you said, they think, well, that's political. I can vote for because I believe whatever my Mm -hmm. representative says, and that's not what I do in church. Well, there again, we
2: understand what the Bible says about us. Look at yourself as an individual. Our hearts, my heart is deceitfully wicked beyond anything I can understand. I want to do things that are pleasing to me. Therefore, I'm willing to compartmentalize my Christianity. I know God's the author of life, but look, I want the freedom to be able to get out of my consequences for my sexual sin, i.e. abortion, for one example. Mm. So I'm going to vote for that because I like the freedom to do what I wanna do, even if it's sin. We're supposed to submit to authority, for example. There are people today listening right where you are at your job and you're ripping on your boss. You're saying your boss is an idiot, I don't have to follow that guy. Well, wait a minute, that's a level of authority God has placed over you in your life. Are you going to be in submission to it as long as it's not unbiblical, but that holds in every area of life? Well, that's what I see this disconnect as in terms of our quote-unquote politics we want to do what we want to do. That's the mm. bottom line, and it's sin.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, we could talk about so many other of those that uh, so people in the church support, but they can't really back it up with Scripture. And that's what this conversation comes down to. What do we believe? Why do we believe it? What can we back up with Scripture if you're going to defend anything politically mm-hmm. or when it comes to politics or legislation? But um, So let's talk about your church, our church. You've been going through the book of Revelation and some outstanding teachings, I believe, because it's verse by verse, and you go in depth and use a lot of cross-references, including the Old Testament when it comes to prophecy, because so much is prophetic. Amen. Um, And I think a lot of people, since in the short time I've been going there, uh, Pastor Kevin, um, I've seen growth that... you. It's just it just kind of makes you go well. First, praise God, mm-hmm. but second, it's like wow, this is fa- kind of happening fast, and I wonder why. But then I think, okay, I know the nature of the Christian church, and a lot of pastors not only do they not teach verse by verse the whole counsel of God; it's it's it's, it's uh, topical. Well, how do I know that? I'm not saying the majority of the church does that, but I've traveled. I've been in hundreds of churches. I traveled with a music ministry years ago, and I've Done worship before church services, and then I've heard pastors preach. And in at least a dozen states or more. And I'm very disappointed to say in the last couple decades, we have not exalted the Word of God. We we have not exalted Scripture, Jesus, to his proper place and the Word of God. Um, so I know you go verse by verse, but in these last two weeks, you've taken a break from Revelation, and we're just now getting to Revelation 19, which is yes. so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you've taken a break. God put it on your heart because of what's happening outside of the church, in our community, in our country, around the world, in the headlines, and a lot of Christians uh, maybe didn't know how to respond to everything that's going on. So first of all, Thank you for being committed to the scriptures and the inerrancy and the truth of God's Word. But what made you decide to take a a two-week break these last two Sundays and talk about some of the things you have?
2: Well, that's a great question. Actually, six months ago, I already had those last two sermons prepared, but I was waiting for chapters 17 and 18 of Revelation. Now, Mm. chapter 17 is the judgment of the one-world religious system, Mm. Chapter 18 is the judgment of the one world economic and political system. So once we got through that judgment of the one world political economic system, I thought it was appropriate to determine before the enemy, and he, you know, he's the one who's going to orchestrate this one world system, how could he ever do that with a country like the United States still in power, willing to defend our mm. own freedoms, but even the freedoms of others? We would not give up our sovereignty to a reset, to a one-world system, to a United Nations, to anything like that. Hmm. So do I see something being played out today that points to those end times uh, scenarios? And I do. So we got into the issue of critical theory, critical race theory, critical economic theory, Black Lives Matter, things like that, because those are all constructs of socialist Marxism. All of those are really a construct of the enemy. And again, our enemy is Satan. It's not individual human beings. He is using these theories, these systems, to try to tear down the United States. He has to weaken us internally. Mm -hmm. Now, the great weakening, I believe, is going to happen at the removal of the church. Some call it the rapture. I call it the harpazo in the Greek, the snatching away. Think about that. In a moment of time, every bit of salt and light Mm. and morality is gone from the world. Every righteous judge, every righteous police officer— Every righteous radio broadcaster is gone in a, in a moment. What do you have left? Well, we're going to be a third world power at best. So mm. anyway, I wanted to get into those constructs of Satan, how they're being used today mm-hmm. to, uh, to just propagate this destruction.
1: It's fascinating that you brought up those issues, um, and I just want to get into some history here, yeah, our history. Um, Pastor Kevin has been on the show, I think, two times before. Um, before we actually made the the transition to uh, Christ the Rock Community Church, Deep here, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we have both been to a Liberty Pastors conference. I went. I've attended two. I went to one last year in Texas, and um, in July I went to one in Oklahoma. Uh, Pastor Kevin went to one in uh, Houston a month ago or so, mm-hmm. and. Um, I want to ask you about that, because uh, (laughs) these men of God are fighting, I I believe, the good fight. And I I just so appreciate the fact that you took the time to travel there and attend and glean from what these men have been doing for decades. And I think of Dan Fisher and the Black Robe Regiment, and we'll talk about that a little later when we get into some church history and why the church uh, today might be operating more like a, a corporation and having a CEO rather than a pastor, yes. and why some pastors are not willing to talk about these issues. But let's let's talk about the Liberty Pastors Conference and the impact maybe that had on you. And because a lot of the things you were preaching, one of the things I absolutely love is is Paul Blair's sermon on the compartmentalization of Christianity. And if you want to share anything from that, uh, Kevin, go ahead. But just the impact of of their. Um, I don't want to call it a movement, but there are men of God. There are more Bible-believing pastors and teachers that are understanding the church has to do something because this fight has come to our door. They shut us down last year. Our government, the United States government, shut down the church, and 90% of us folded. 90% of us said, okay, we'll shut down. Some churches never came back. Some churches were closed for six months. To me, it wasn't justified, but it's a whole religious freedom thing. Pastor, in the last three minutes in this first segment, uh, Liberty pastors, its impact, and what you talked about at church.
2: Well, Psalm 11.3, with the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And that's what the enemy's trying to do right now in our country specifically, destroy the foundations of our republic. Hmm. We have incredible freedoms that have not been granted really to any other country Through any other political system throughout history, we've taken some of ours, of course, from the Roman Republic and whatnot, but this is a unique experiment. It was something that God ordained, Mm. but he ordained it in order to transport the gospel around the world. So we go to the Liberty Pastors Conference. I knew I was going into a scenario of like-minded individuals. It wasn't like it was anything new or earth-shattering. The thing I came away with was this. Okay, I want to maintain our constitutional republic. I Mm. want our freedoms. But the question is, why? Mm. And that's what I think each one of us needs to answer. We don't want this thing to change, but why? Is it because I want to keep my stuff, I want to keep my personal liberties and freedoms, or is it because I want to extend the gospel to the rest of the world? So we need to be careful with that. Now, obviously, we talk a lot about history there at the conference. We talk about our roots, as a republic, but again, it's about the methodology and why God has ordained this thing in this country. And it's, again, to, to continue to get the gospel message out.
1: Hmm. I, I'm glad. That's the simple point. If we lose our freedoms, yes, we can still preach the gospel, but we will either be imprisoned or killed. Exactly. Do you want that for America, friends? You could, This is. I know everybody that's listening right now, I know you're in line with us probably. But you can ask those Christians who would say, no, we need to submit and be silent and not engage and let government do what it's going to do. But is that responsible as people who are supposed to be part of the Great Commission, making disciples, ambassadors for Christ? How do you represent Christ? Do people know you're a Christian? Do they know by your words and your deeds and what you do? Are you fighting for this right to preach the gospel? It's free speech. America is the anomaly. Other, you know, There are hostile nations around the world that either imprison or severely restrict or even kill Christians. We are so blessed here, but unfortunately, as we would all agree, we've taken those blessings for granted. So we're talking about this very important issue of religious freedom. We are not fighting for religious freedom just to say, you know, go Constitution, yes, America. No, we're saying... The Bible instructs us to preach the Word of God in season and out of season, and we can do that, but when things go south, they are going to come for the church, and they're already knocking at the door almost literally. Uh, We've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the the debate, the great debate about what should be preached on a Sunday morning, and that word, oh my goodness, guys, politics. We have so—we just do not understand— Uh, what that is, and why it's necessary to address issues around us. And we'll also talk about a little church history. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren is back in the news, and more with
0: Pastor Kevin Minsky when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo.
1: Pastor Kevin Minsky is our guest today. Let's jump right into it. We are going to be getting to a little bit of church history going back to the 70s and 80s and how the church growth movement just exploded in those decades and kind of brought us to where we are today in a way in the United States of entertainment and evangelical Christianity. But I have something that I want to get your take. I think I shared this or at least part of this or this idea last week. On the podcast, I don't remember what day, but it's important. I have a pastor in the studio who um, I just want to get to respond to this. Someone put this out on social media and said, I won't mention names. How many of you appreciate that we have a pastor that preaches what Jesus said and that doesn't ever get hung up in what the world tells us is important? And in parentheses, it says, ahem, politics. And the person goes on. Now, this part I understand. The second part I understand. People get overwhelmed by the headlines. I understand that. Get enough peer pressure from the world, and I appreciate that he, meaning their pastor, doesn't cave to political or peer pressure when he preaches. So um, Pastor Kevin Minsky is in the studio, and he doesn't get hung up on politics, but he understands the impact of politics In our world of legislation, by the way, before I let you respond to this, Pastor Kevin, (laughs) I want to encourage you guys to look up the Korean Peninsula at night. Go Google that image, the Korean Peninsula at night. Look at the difference between North Korea and South Korea and and tell me what the difference is. Obviously, North Korea is dark. (laughs) South Korea is light. (laughs) It's not just electricity. It's, of course, it's Christianity as well, more in South Korea, but freedom. Mm -hmm. And politics, that's the difference in a North Korea and a South Korea, and we better start understanding that concept. So, Pastor Kevin, um, you don't get hung up on politics or what what the world tells us to do, but you address important issues. I believe you're a watchman. I believe you're Mm -hmm. one that wants to warn the flock and warn and inform.
2: I think one of the problems with politics in the church today, it, it becomes when a pastor or a leader tries to dictate to people how they should vote, which way they should lean. If you do it through the biblical lens and a biblical context, that's perfectly all right. Mm-hmm. If it's a gray area, I try to tell people, be critical thinkers. Do your work, do your homework, do the research. Look, if, if we look at this literally, politics comes from a root word, polis, which means city. So we're talking about the affairs of the city. We're back to compartmentalization of Christianity here. You can't just be a righteous, moral person in the sanctuary on Sunday, and then as soon as you walk out the door, well, no, I can't speak to anything in the city, anything in the culture, anything in the nation or world. Hmm. That's not my job. Baloney. It is exactly our job. We are to be salt and light in the world. Now, the word tells us to be, we are in the world, but we're not of it. So what does that mean? Well, we're in the world, obviously, literally. Literally physical human beings, with a soul, who can reason, who can has a free will. Look, we are in the world, but not of it. And that term of means as in a mold. We're not to be conformed to the world. Hmm. The only way you cannot be conformed is to know, number one, what's going on around you. And then number two, know how to address it. And we address it biblically. So Romans 12:2, be no longer conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. that you might understand the perfect will of God. And we're transformed, of course, by the word. It's living and active. So it's always through the lens of Scripture. So when we talk politics, we're not talking about, hey, you need to vote Republican or Democrat or you need to vote this issue or that issue. I challenge people to be critical thinkers. I'll even give them both sides of the argument, and I'll say, now, how does this measure up biblically? Mm. And we better be able to do that from the pulpit because that's what a watchman has to do.
1: Policies, platforms, and procedures. <laughs> we're, not, we're talking about what, what kind of legislation, what, what's the worldview behind what any politician puts forward or what they say they represent. What is their worldview? So, Kevin, because of this mentality that politics are evil and the church shouldn't address, it, address them and avoid them, we have a very weak church in America generally today and I know you're, you're one that is trying to make a difference. You're trying to equip and prepare the soldiers for battle because this is a battle we're in. Mm-hmm. And people don't like to look at those verses in Scripture where you know we're supposed to fight the good fight, where um, I think of, look at Revelation 19. I know we're going to get to this mm-hmm. at our church. In verse 11, uh, Jesus is coming back. Heaven is opening up. He's going to be on a white horse, and he is called faithful and true. And it says, in righteousness, he judges and makes war, wages war. And then you go, wow. And then it talks about the armies which are in heaven. And verse 15 says, and I'd love for you to share this. Don't give too much away because I know you're going to be preaching on this. (laughs) Verse 15 says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron mm-hmm. and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty this does not sound like the meek and lowly lamb of God the baby in the manger that we you know have every Christmas that we talk about just Kevin we we've kinda lost this side of Jesus because we want to make him all about love and grace right. and meekness and turn the other cheek of course which is taken out of context your thoughts
2: Well, we need to always remember the fact that Jesus is not only fully man, but He is fully God, and God is holy. He's righteous. I always think about that scripture in Luke. It says, "Jesus, when He was heading for Jerusalem, He set His face like flint." And that was a prophetic scripture that goes back to Isaiah. In other words, He would not be deterred from fulfilling the will of His Father. Well, now we're here as salt and light, representing Jesus Christ in this world. There is a righteous standard. He's going to judge with that sword from his mouth. We know from Ephesians, the sword is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God remains or abides forever because it is is God's breed. It's never going to be uh, wiped out. Satan tries as much as he can. That is the righteous standard God is going to use to judge individuals as well as cities, nations, the world, all those things. So that's, again, what we're here to uphold. It's the word of God as a righteous standard.
1: So let's talk about the church today. How we, in part, how we got to where we are. Just so people gives people an understanding. It goes back to Rick Warren. Why am I mentioning him? Because recently he's been in the news. I guess he's part of a podcast, or maybe he has a podcast where he had Francis Collins on. Who is Francis Collins? He's the former director of the NIH, the National Institute of Health. You can see a picture of him with Bill Gates, and with um, what's it? Dr. Fauci. <laughs> so Fauci, Gates, and Francis Collins are there pushing this great reset and talking about the vaccines and all that. So Rick Warren is known to be a globalist. He's holding these men up, or at least Francis Collins, up and complimenting him. And I have an article here at The Federalist saying Collins is a nas- national disgrace, not a national treasure, who—now that's something that David, David French said. I don't read David French anymore, but uh, for those of you that do, he thinks— uh, Francis Collins is a national treasurer. He's one of the most pro-abortion. If, he's, he, if he is a Christian, God knows his heart. But he's been for uh, just the, the t- fetal tissue research and using aborted baby body parts and vaccines and um, just things like that that we should look at and go, no, 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 no. We should not spend any money to support fetal organ harvesting. So there's some confusion going on. So, share uh, your—let me get your thoughts on that, Kevin, before we dive into the uh, 70s and 80s and the church growth movement.
2: Well, one of the problems we have as men is we love the praise of men. It's an inherent problem in our hearts. Mm. We like to be popular. We want to be accepted. We want to be seen as successful. That's That's one of the dangers when we talk about church growth here you talk about again the history though of the church we can go all the way back to europe and before that now today we have huge cathedrals that were built as churches but they sit empty they're basically museums now and you got one percent of the population that's actually christian in france or britain or wherever that's this constant struggle is it is it being led by the spirit of god is there power behind it or is it really just dead full of dead bones The danger in America today is we live in this information culture, but it's also an entertainment culture. So we think we have to appeal to the culture through entertainment, through the smoke machines and through a charismatic speaker. Again, it's the word of God that transforms men's hearts. Now, this thing with popularity... Speak anecdotally here. I get people who will occasionally come up and say, wow, that was really a good message. I really appreciated that sermon. I always think of one thing every time, and I trained myself to do this 30 years ago. It's John chapter 2. Jesus, for his part, would entrust himself to no man Mm. because he knew men's hearts. Now, I know as much as you appreciated that message today, I may be the worst thing in the world next week, and you may (laughs) want to leave the church a month from now because you don't like the color of the walls that we painted or whatever it is. Now, that doesn't mean I don't appreciate encouragement. I do, but I put it in its proper light. So now we got guys like you just talked about, like Rick Warren, and he he hobnobs with big-time people, right? Well, there has to be an inherent danger with loving the praise of men when it comes to that. Therefore, When these guys go off the rails, are they going to be willing to call them out on it? That's the problem. And they don't ultimately, Mm -hmm. usually. I don't want to be unfair about that. Some will. Most do not.
1: So we haven't talked about Rick Warren for, gosh, I don't know how long on this podcast. I believe he stepped down uh, Has someone else. I don't think it was a bad thing, like a scandal, but he did uh, go off on his own to do other things. But in 2005... Apparently, if that's I got the year right, Rick Warren met Francis Collins at the Davos World Economic Forum and they became friends and they hit it off. And there's a picture with Klaus Schwab. If you guys are familiar with the Great Reset that we've talked a lot about, these globalists are pushing this. It leads to a new world order. This is by design. But it's to me, it's disappointing when not 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 surprising that we would have evangelical pastors or reputable, formerly reputable, whatever, uh, men from America aligning with these globalists and socialists. It's not surprising, but it's disappointing. And Pastor Kevin, what's further disappointing is the lack of discernment, the, lack of peop- the, the amount of people because of the purpose-driven life, mm-hmm. um, yes. uh, the amount of people that, that would still support him no matter what. And I'm, I'm telling you, friends, uh, we've got to be careful of this. That's idolatry. You're holding a man up to a pedestal because he's got a big church, uh, but he was part of the church growth movement, which we will get to in a minute.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, Paul said, you know, I came not to you with superiority of wisdom or of human speech. He came in weakness and in trembling and much fear. It's got to be the power of God at work through a man, through a pastor, that's really proclaiming his word. And then, again, that word will transform the hearts of his people. It's not about charisma. It's not about the size of a church. Or the affluence or the wealth of a church, it's an inherent danger rather Mm. than a benefit. I think. Now again, the shepherd's heart. Philippians two seventeen. You know, Paul said, "Even now I'm being poured out as a drink offering Mm. on the sacrifice and service of your faith." Uh, In this culture today, and again, I don't want to be generic about it or or, you know just lump everybody in together, but I think it's an inherent danger for many pastors where we. Don't want to call certain things out. We don't want to be uh, unloved. We don't want to be attacked. We want to go with the flow. Well, remember, it's only a dead fish that goes with the flow. So <laughs> if we're going to be alive in the spirit, the gospel is offensive. It's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. If we're mm-hmm. preaching the true gospel, we ought to expect that. We're not looking for it. You're not trying to be a spiritual jerk about it. But we're going to face that. Ultimately, as a shepherd, This is a sacrifice. It's a service. You have to dedicate the time. You have to stay up on issues these days. It's not like pastoring 30 years ago. This information age, everybody in the body knows much of what's going on in the world, and you have to be able to speak to those issues from a biblical worldview.
1: Mm, Amen. Um, And a lot of these men do not want to do that because they want to be popular. Um, So a little bit of history and the 1980s came around, Austrian-born Peter Drucker. Who's he? We'll get to that in a minute. But he was one of the men who, along with New Age business gurus Bob Buford and Ken Blanchard. I remember in the late 1980s, Kevin, I had a a set of cassette tapes by Ken Blanchard on Mm -hmm. leadership or something like that. I didn't think he was a Christian. I just thought he had good principles on leadership, but this was before I was more discerning. But now what happened with these men, these New Agers or whatever their background is, not Christians necessarily, they influenced the Christian church by aligning uh, a lot of pastors with the secular business world. What happens when evangelical churches align with the secular business world? Well, we're seeing the fruit of that today. We're seeing pastors take on the role of a CEO and look at a church as a business rather than the gospel, a ministry, or, or being a shepherd and before we get into more of that history about Drucker, uh, just your thoughts on that concept as a pastor. Um, the CEO role, it's its very comfortable for some. They don't have to go outside church walls necessarily, and they can just have the church run like a business.
2: There's a reason that Jesus used that concept. Uh That example of pastors as being a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? We don't know about it in our culture because most of us have never dealt with sheep. But you are out there in that sheep pen when it's cold, when it's wet, when it's damp, when it's raining, when it's not fun to be out in the sheep Mm -hmm. pen. You're the one fighting the wolves. You're the one fighting the things that are trying to attack and consume the sheep. Look, this, this is not uh, anything comfortable. This is not anything for yourself if you're a pastor. This is all about pouring yourself, again, pouring yourself out like a drink offering for the sake of God's people. Mm. It's about being willing to put in the extra time one-on-one discipling or mentoring somebody in the office when it's you know, 9 o'clock at night and you've been there 12 hours, you want to get home. You don't think about those things. You think about the fact that one soul may be brought to salvation through Jesus Christ. You're willing to put in that, that effort, that sacrifice. Look what Paul went through, city to city, stoned and left for dead, (laughs) shipwrecked, bobbing up and down in the Mediterranean for a day and a night. I mean, on and on and on. You can go on. That was a guy who had seen the face of Jesus. Mm. Nothing else mattered after that. And is that my heart as a pastor? If it is, then I keep going. If it's not, then I need to get out because I'm just collecting a paycheck and this is not a job. It's a calling.
1: Mm. Amen. Think yeah, because if you're in a business, it's a job. Exactly. But if it's the Church of Jesus Christ, we have a mission to find those lost sheep, right? Exactly. Um, we've just got a minute left in this segment, so um, before we get into some headlines, we'll do that when we come back. But I just want to point out some history that Peter Drucker was a disciple of philosopher and mystic Soren Kierkegaard, who was also a Zen Buddhist, if I'm not mistaken but uh, rick warren said of drucker he said i've spent 20 years under his tutelage learning about leadership from him my question would be how much time have you spent under godly men who are willing to fight and equip their congregations Mm. and know the word of god the whole counsel of god amen amen um we do have to take a break but when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about some of these recent headlines Uh, we touched on one or two at the very beginning of the podcast but Uh, Pastor Kevin keeps up on them. He brought in a handful, a stack. We'll only get to a couple, but things that, from what I understand from the emails and the contacts we have from people, what you guys are concerned about, and you're always welcome to email comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com.
0: More with Pastor Kevin Minsky when we come back. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo.
1: Pastor Kevin Minsky, you brought in some headlines and so much that uh, you try to keep up with, but what are the most maybe alarming or uh, just the important news stories that you think we should be uh, aware of?
2: Well, again, as a reminder, I just... The first one I had was the government secretly ordering Google to track anyone searching certain names, Mm -hmm. addresses, or phone numbers. Okay, so what we're talking about here is data harvesting. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is reported in the mainline news, news outlets, Newsweek, Newsmax, all those. Why is... Uh, Why are certain people buying and constructing these warehouses that are full of supercomputers in Ohio and around the Midwest? Well, Mm. it's data harvesting. Now, every bit of information that can be harvested is done so, and that's there forever. The only people, in fact, that can't control your personal data is you. Mm. Google, anybody else, they, they can delete or not delete anything as they will. And certainly they're not going to do that. There's money involved with that, but there's also control and power. So if we're going to one world government or one world system, how does a government do that again in a republic like we have a constitutional republic? Well, you have to either control elections or you have to control people's physical freedoms. Now, we know this is going on already in China. They admit that when we talk about a social score that people are going to have, for example where you shop, what you buy, who you associate with. You're being tracked from the moment, you know, you get up in the morning. If you touch your phone and move it, that's, that's trackable right there, not only if it's off or on anymore. So they know that I'm sitting here this morning in a radio station with David Fiorazzo. Well, of course, we all know he's a subversive, right? So <laughs> by, by definition, I'm now lumped in with that. Uh-oh. Now, whoever I associate with the rest of today who I call – That's all put together in algorithms, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, that sounds wild, right? Mm -hmm. And this is not just an incendiary headline that I'm reading here. This, again, is mainline newspapers. So records are being created about everyone. Uh, And, again, the, the only people not in control of your data is you yourself.
1: So you mentioned the social credit score and that that would be possible in America. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's what they're doing in China.
2: I think it's absolutely possible here. And the reason I do is because look at the labeling that's gone on just in the last year. Mm. Okay, if you are, let's say you're in Washington, for example, on January 6th. Okay, you're not a protester. You are an insurrectionist. Now, that's a very specific uh, title right there. If you look up the definition of that word, that means you want to overthrow the current government. That that has implications behind it. So then you can be labeled as a terrorist, for example. No, it, those uh, score issues, that, that whole topical thing, mm. it's a way to identify, compartmentalize people, and then ultimately control, of course.
1: Fascinating, because uh, January 6th, uh, to my understanding, the woman that was killed was killed by our own government, someone that was working at the Capitol, and the media would harp on that and call everybody else insurrectionists that were there. And we don't hear much about Afghanistan when there were 13 Americas killed and a lot of hostages still left behind. But the media doesn't want to touch on that. Isn't that interesting, Kevin?
2: Well, it's interesting, and you can have somebody like me, a local pastor. Who am I? I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody, right? That's Jesus. (laughs) But here's the point. Let me give you a different name. Senator Rand Paul. Now, he's Mm. a senator, a sitting senator in our U.S. government, and he's quoted as saying, you should be afraid of your government at this point. And he's talking about this issue of school boards and how parents are speaking out and coming against local school boards Mm. that are trying to implement godless agendas in their school systems. Well, what they want to do now, then, is bring in the FBI because they have to stop that kind of dissent. So what they do is they label these people again as, you know, they're out of control. They're rioters. They're voicing their opinions. They're not physically attacking anybody. But they want to stop that kind of dissent. So this is a sitting senator who said at this point we need to be afraid of our government because they are now trying to marshal the resources of law and order against our own citizens.
1: I would encourage you guys to pray for Rand Paul because pray Amen. for his pray for his protection because he's been I mean, he tore apart the HHS secretary last week, said some very I was applauding. I was shouting amen. (laughs) Um, But he uh, is saying some truthful things. He is part of our government as a U.S. senator warning American citizens of the government. And there's a handful that are doing that. The Ted Cruz's, the Ron Johnson's, the uh, Josh Hawley's. There are uh, a bunch of them that are doing that. We don't have enough. Uh, Kevin, did you want to discuss another headline? Because we have. Yeah, we have plenty of time
2: well uh there's a bunch of headlines of course the the uh, sorry the australian lockdown
1: um oh my goodness again
2: we talked the more locally yeah. about the school board issues that are going on the wisconsin assembly passed a bill to limit how race and racism is taught in the classrooms again that whole agenda right there it's uh, it's indoctrination of the kids if you've mm-hmm. ever seen for example that that pyramid of well it's called pyramid of white supremacy You're only allowed to respond to certain situations and certain questions with pre-formatted responses. And what that does is it forces people to choose Mm. answers that are socially acceptable. Mm. And when you do that, you're you're eliminating their ability to think. So, again, we don't want critical thinking anymore. We don't want to challenge anything that's being proposed by people in a position of authority or government. That's false. We need to be challenging everything. And, again always filtering it
1: through the Word of God, because that standard never changes. Amen. Um, didn't you say something yesterday about the, the National School Board uh, getting the, the Attorney General or the FBI involved in either threatening or prosecuting parents who are speaking out at school board meetings? Did I hear that yesterday, or is that something I read over the weekend? Yeah, I did share that one yesterday.
2: That That had a relationship to that story about Rand Paul. But um, we had that law that was signed in in, uh, California by Governor Newsom, for example, where we have these insurance providers who perform, um, well, different operations on children, sex change operations that Mm -hmm. can uh, induce abortions. And now they're they're legally withheld from telling the parents about it. If they have to contact the person who had that procedure done... They will not tell the parent. If they call that home and it's the parent and they tell them it's the parent, they'll tell them they have to put the child on the phone. They will not discuss it with the parents. So wow. we've got school boards that are out of control that are trying to teach certain theories and sexualizing these kids. We've got whole governments now, like in California, or Terry McAuliffe in Virginia is, is doing the same thing. He's calling, and that's the one I think you're thinking of. He's, the, um, he's running for governor in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, and he's saying that parents should not have the ability to tell the school systems what to teach. Hmm. Well, that's fine if you're talking about math or even science, but they're talking about moral issues Mm -hmm. now. And parents are required by Scripture to train up your children in the way they should go. The way does not mean math and science. It means morality, Mm -hmm. holiness. You can't dictate and and leave that to the school system because it's a godless system. It's an evil world system.
1: Yes, thank you. A uh, big amen to that. Um, almost every guest we have on, if that issue of the uh, education system in America comes up, they agree that it is beyond you know reform. You, it, it's, it, you, you cannot go back 100 years and change what has been implemented. It is I believe it is demonically driven. Not to say that every teacher is a demon or don't misunderstand me or misquote me, but the system has only produced... Uh, people who are not Christians, who would disagree with the biblical worldview, who who would argue for things like socialism, the LGBTQ, um, abortion, pro-abortion, and social justice things. Kids come out as activists, thinking their country is evil, and that Christians are the problem. And where do they get those ideas? I wonder, Pastor Kevin. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, again, we always have to bring this back to the spiritual reality. We are engaged in a spiritual warfare. Mm. Satan's the prince of the power of the air. He is the god of this world. He does have a purpose and a plan that he's trying to implement. So, again, I'm with you, David. We have a number of educators in our church. Mm. I love all of them. I think they're all godly people. They're trying to do the right thing. Yes. They cry. They weep over some of these things that are being implemented by school boards around the country and certainly even locally. So they're not the enemy. Again, it's our enemy is Satan. He's implementing these, these standards through human agents, just like God uses us, human beings, to advance his kingdom. That's mm-hmm. the warfare that's going on. So we have to discern. We have to look at what they're propagating, how they're trying to implement it, and then, again, measure it through the lens of Scripture.
1: And if there's anybody listening that you're, that you're thinking in your, in your mind, stop harping on the public education. No, I will not. I come from a family of teachers, my mom, my dad, my sisters. I had an uncle and a cousin that were teachers. I have friends that that resigned, one because they couldn't keep a Bible on their desk, another because he had a picture of Ronald Reagan in, in his office. There are so many ridiculous things. If you don't see the direction of the system, then you're. I don't believe you're being discerning, and I don't believe you're willing to look at how evil it has become. I'm done with that. Uh, but really, Kevin, this comes back to, I hate bringing this up, but it just seems so appropriate. A Lord of the Rings analogy, when Aragorn was uh, warning King Theoden, who just, just said he did not want to risk open war, I'll never forget this line. Aragorn said, open war is upon you whether you would risk it or not. Mm-hmm. This is the state of the American church. Uh, you can look at that as America, but let's just talk about the church. Open war is upon us, and we have an enemy That's pulling out all the stops, Kevin.
2: Well, absolutely. One of the things that I run into routinely these days is, look, we have lived a relatively peaceful, quiet existence in this culture in the West for the last 30 years. Yes, there's little blips in history and things go, you know, go wrong for a while, but then we're right back to our normal routine. Hmm. There's something called, you know, I'm a fan of the information sciences. I'm a teacher by by calling, of (laughs) course. I teach the Word of God, which means I'm a learner by nature. So in the information sciences, you have what's called recency bias. Hmm. We think things will continue on just the way they have simply because they have gone on that way, all right? (laughs) So in other words, we favor recent events over historical things. So what's happened to every other great nation or civilization, et cetera? They have fallen at some point. Is there going to be a terminus, an ending for the history of the United States? People don't want to believe there is. Well, why not? Every other civilization country has fallen, usually because of internal lack of morality personally, then it leads to greed, inflation, all these other things, things that we're facing on our horizon here. So one of the things we're facing is denial by Christians. We don't want to believe God's judgment is here. It's coming we don't want to believe that the, the enemy can actually do that to this nation. Hmm. God's delay in judgment is meant for us to repent. We need to humble ourselves. We need to pray. We need to seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Then mm. he'll, he'll hear from heaven, and he'll heal our land. And people, again, it's that recency bias. Well, yeah, people have been saying this. I've been saying it. I've been preaching it since I was born again in 1983, Reagan's first term. And I thought, yep, nuclear warfare. It's coming. Hmm. No. Where's the promise of his coming, 2 Peter 3, 4? Well, look, it is coming. we got to be prepared for that. The barbarians are at the gate. Judgment is here. 2
1: yeah. Peter 3, a very sobering chapter. I would encourage you guys to, to go read if you haven't read that in a while. But uh, this is where we are, friends. If you're feeling a little... A little uh, downhearted or, or because of where we're at, understand God's sovereignty. He allowed us to, to reach this point. He has it all figured out. We just got to trust him. We have to continue to be effective, be responsible in your sphere of influence and with the gifts and talents, I say the time, talents, and treasure that God has given you to be effective in your neck of the woods. Pastor Kevin, in, in the last uh, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, encouragement for believers to keep fighting the good fight of faith. This spiritual
2: warfare began back in the Garden of Eden. Satan had a purpose and plan to try to steal away God's creation. He cannot Mm. win because God is God. Jesus right now, as we speak, is seated on the throne of his father. He's just waiting for the father to turn to him and say, now go back for your bride. God wins, and if you are hidden with Christ in God, you will win as well. Don't give in to a spirit of fear in these Mm -hmm. times. Seek out believers that are strong, that love the Lord as much as you love the Lord, and fight the good fight of faith. You have an eternal treasure in heaven. Moth and rust cannot destroy it. Thieves cannot break in and steal. The battle is worth it. Advance the kingdom of Christ where he has you planted.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Always good to have you in the studio. It just goes by so fast. Yes, it does. (laughs) All right, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of the week.
0: Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media, Stand Up W.I. on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. An appropriate quote to leave you
1: with is from Ray Comfort in a recent article I read by him. He said, True Christianity is not a pleasure cruiser on its way to heaven. True Christianity is a battleship stationed at the very gates of hell. Ray Comfort. We didn't talk about that concept of storming the gates of hell, Pastor Kevin. Maybe we'll get to that next time. Anyway, tomorrow, can't wait to talk to James Taylor again, Dr. JT from Oklahoma. He's a pastor, former public school teacher, just resigned recently. We'll get that inside scoop. Plus, you'll hear from John Haller on Wednesday, a brand new podcast. And Samuel Okongo, he's got a book out. We'll talk about uh, that with him on Thursday. Pastor Tim Thompson from California and religious freedom and school board issues again on Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.